idea. All right, the Can show. Oh, there we go. That's what it looks like when it's recording. Ah, yeah, a little red light goes on somewhere, right? Yeah, it was horrifying yesterday. I looked down at the end of the show and realized I hadn't recorded it on our main recording. You, you none of yeah. anyone who listened to yesterday wouldn't really know the difference, but it was horrifying. Well, you're, you're, uh, you've been around for a while in the radio world. Yes. There's been, uh, you know, in the olden days when you recorded something, you had to push two buttons at once and a, then a big light would go on saying that it's recording. So, you know, just having a little tiny itsy bitsy square on the corner of a screen. That is true. Is, oh, a lot's changed, you know. Oh, yeah, a yeah. lot has changed. It's time Back to adapt. You, you had to push the button and pull the chain and stuff That's like right. that. <laughs> That's right there. When we first started, we had to have, there was a pull start that got the radio going. Um, all right, well, let's give it a yank and start. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred studios in Trendy, Toronto, and from our Brampton Bark Factory basement studio. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now, here are two men who get excited every time they hear sleigh bells ring, as they know it's time again to complain about the origins of Christmas and the angels and Santa and Immaculate Conception and the baby Jesus. It's humble and Fred. I don't know if that's how you want to start off today's show, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> Jeff Lumby will be our guest today. Dan Duran's news coming up later. Don't go away. Just wanted to preview. And by the way, Thursday's a big show. Our last show of the year, Stephen Page, will be our featured guest and a special appearance by a bunch of people that you're familiar with. Noel Kassler uh, and all of our regulars and... And John Tory is scheduled to appear, although Fred and Dan, I think it's uh, I think it's important we mention a giant storm is coming. Did you see the uh, forecast there, Frederick? Uh, uh, sort of. I haven't spent a lot of time with it. I just saw that uh, we could get a weather event that could hamper people's travel plans over the weekend. <sighs> Uh, beyond that, Howard, I you know what? I've had so much going on. I have had time. Oh, I know. You're very busy when in quarantine in a room. Yeah. Uh, you know, this. <laughs> I don't know what this. I, I, I was alerted. The first thing I saw on my phone this morning was an alert from my youngest who's on their way to New York for a couple of days and was worried about what it would, would it be like coming home on Friday night. And so I'm looking at this special weather statement. Now, this one, Dan, you want to just uh, turn off the air? Oh, yeah. Thanks, buddy. This one is pretty significant, though. A multi-day lake effect snow event expected into the weekend in the wake of the system for locations east of the Great Lakes. Uh, High confidence is what this says, Freddie, in a high-impact winter storm. Now, it, it actually says everyone, Public Safety Canada, this is the part that I found intriguing. I can see you're just riveted. <laughs> just look at, oh, just look at your face. I can see here. Oh, are you? What do you want me to do? I'm just the look on your face, you know, is, is signaling to me that this is, you're, you have, you're not into this at all. I know. Listen. Well, it's no secret. But that this is a public weather, service. 
when it comes to the weather, you're a lot more passionate than I am. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, I'm more passionate. Hey, Dan. But this is the part that I found alarming. And maybe, Dan, you can comment on this as your days as a weather uh, anchor. Public Safety Canada encourages everyone to make an emergency plan. An emergency plan. Yes, and get an emergency kit with drinking water, food, medicine, a first aid kit, and a flashlight. My question is, is this overdoing it? Well, well what, what do they expect? Is this uh, like an ice storm they're expecting that could take out uh, power? Yes, fella. Oh, okay, all right. Yes. Because I know it's going to be six degrees on uh, Friday and then minus seven on Saturday. Here's Something the, like uh, I, I went and looked at AccuWeather, which is a little bit different than uh, the Weather Network. They're expecting winds on Friday evening. It's going to be, as you say, it's going to start off Friday raining and just being kind of miserable. And then middle of the day, it's going to change. They're expecting winds gusting from 40 to 80 kilometers an hour. And it's, it's at that point, the inflection point of uh, precipitation. Anyway, listen, that, I, I'm just trying to be... I'm just trying but to be proactive. That's the swing, right? People. Isn't yes. Friday supposed to be like plus six and then Saturday minus seven? So yes, when those two like fronts that. collide, yes. that's wind, brother. That's wind. This is what I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I better not lose a shingle. <laughs> it's the Well, you've got your shingle shot. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. What about those with toupees? Oh, my heart aches for them on days like that. <laughs> Does it? Mm-hmm. Well, those uh, the toupee people probably will, <laughs> will switch to... <laughs> Switch to their winter lid. (laughs) (laughs) The one with the buckle. That's right. They probably do that like we change into winter tires. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's time to put the winter lid on. Yeah. Is that like a toque with hair sticking up? (laughs) Yeah. No, it's like, you ever seen those hats? They put those visors with the funky hair sticking up? That's what it is. Uh, uh Yeah. Well, anyway, we're British lawyers. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I would I I have I would literally not give a a two and a half shits except for the fact that Spenny was scheduled to come home right in the heart of it on Friday night. And and they were a little bit worried this morning because I don't want to get stuck in New York all weekend because of the big family get together on Sunday. But uh, I just got driving. No, sweet Dan, they're flying. Okay, well, they'll be fine then. Well, if if they were coming back from New York Friday night and airports here in Toronto were a bit, you know, um, backed up or, you know, there was a big storm event, they might be stuck. So uh, upon my suggestion, I just got a note from them and uh, they've uh, changed their flight. They'll be back at four o'clock Friday afternoon. So hopefully they'll be okay. Let me throw something at you right here, guys. Do it, Uh, man. Climate change and the effects of climate change. And, um, you know, it just seems we're being hit from all sides, these weird weather events, you know, melting and seas rising. The other day, a flight uh, approaching Oahu in um, Oahu in Hawaii, air turbulence so bad yeah. that both pilots said they had never seen anything, experienced anything like it. Multiple people injured severely. That didn't have their seatbelts on. It just came out of nowhere. Uh, flight attendants hospitalized. And I'm just wondering, is that going to be another byproduct of, of uh, global warming or climate change? 
Back that up a second. This was upon landing or just out, just in the no, air it was, somewhere? It, it was on its way to Oahu. Like, I don't know how far out, wherever it was, whatever altitude, whatever, it hit this turbulence like has never been recorded before. My point is, I wonder if we're going to have more of those in, incidents going forward, too, given what's going on with the atmosphere. Just a thought. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not declaring well, anything. No, that's fine. I mean, my, my reaction as an aviator is that if they weren't wearing seatbelts and it wasn't near the ground, because anyone, because upon approach, everyone has been uh, buckled up. Yeah, yeah. So, I shouldn't have said that. I should have just said a flight on its way to Hawaii. Well, no, but I mean, if, if there was, if people were being thrown around the fuselage, at a furious rate, maybe that is an unusual event. It does. It does give you if you're a nervous. It gives you pause. No, I was going to say it gives you should give you comfort actually if you're a nervous oh. flyer because you know people who are worried when a plane hits turbulence. You know what I always tell people is you know planes were meant to fly and and the tolerances of those planes, the yes. the way the wings can bend and move. Should mm-hmm. should give you comfort if a, if turbulence can hit like that and it doesn't bring the plane out of the sky. Yes, yes, that's that's upside. Yes, that is upside. As far as the climate goes, I don't I'm know, just man. wondering if the atmosphere, are you know, our you know, just is it going to change that way as well? I don't know. Scary stuff, really. Dan. In your time as a weather special, were you? What, what was your actual title? Yeah, weather specialist. Yeah. Did you you, you, became, you, you, you you came to enjoy the weather, did you not? Did you? Uh, of course, yeah. Now, I was just looking it up. The, that particular flight, 20 people were taken to hospitals with injuries, and thunderstorms were reported in the area at the time of the turbulence. And the shaping, the shaking, according to one passenger, was so severe they were pretty much floating off their chairs. So, you know, I, I don't know. It was there was there was weather in the area, obviously, and they just didn't think that it was going to be that bad as far as turbulence. I don't know how they detect turbulence in in airplanes. Do you know? Well, it's not. There's I don't know that there's you know maybe the the more sophisticated planes do, but uh, mostly it's from uh, pilot reports. Because you know sometimes the uh, pilot will come on and say there's been reports of turbulence en route, or we expect some turbulence upon takeoff, and that's all based on other pilots reporting. In, in the area, but uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. But to Fred's point, of course, as uh, climate changes, it's all about more severe, more frequent severe events yeah. are heading our way. So that's not yeah. not uh, unheard of that, you know, making that, that uh, well, it's just not. And it, it's a good uh, supposition that that will happen. So what about the uh, part here of Public Safety Canada? Do you have a an emergency kit? Uh, Fred, ready, Fred, Fred, ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I got a couple of fireplaces in my home and uh, one is gas. The gas would work. I don't think you need electricity for that. And then I have a whole whack of uh, fire logs cause I'm lazy and uh, <laughs> I have a couple of, uh, cases of water here. Um, and I'll tell you the dining room table right now, there's enough bark to feed a family for a month okay so that's foods right. looked at in fact yesterday i'm chasing all around the house going come here you little willy wonka you come on give us a hug she wasn't that was, yeah i was gonna huh? say that 
Much of that went over great. Did she run away or just right. oh, yeah. looking at you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, part of that is because you're right now you're diseased. Yeah. She doesn't want um, your RSV. But there's so slabs of it. Yeah. You're like, um, let me give you my RSVP. <laughs> my PP. Yeah. You see, see what uh, I'm trying so, to do there? It's like your RSVPP. And so I yeah. don't know what I would need. I get candles in here. Well, Dan, here's our emergency kit. I got, we got lots of salty meat here. I got lots of prosciutto. Yeah. Nothing's going to yeah. go bad. Right. So what do they recommend for such a kit? Uh, they recommend drinking, drinking water. water, food. Now yeah, we got that. Medicine. You know, I got some polysporin, a first aid kit, see polysporin, and a flashlight. The drinking water is amusing because I, I think a lot would have to go wrong. Like a city like Brampton, for the water to not run because they yeah. have backup generators and everything. Like, well, I, I could don't. go. We could go over to the Circle K. They got drinking water. Yeah, but if you're if you're in an in an area, I suppose the water goes out the. Uh, the water treatment plants probably have you know standby generators to keep the pressure up but <clears throat> you know if you're if you're in a farm and you have a well your uh, power goes out you're uh, you're off the uh, See, that's true now that is true. well the day you decide to be a farmer is uh, you know the day that you have to eat stuff like that i guess i don't know farmer dan yeah. Um, well, I mean, this is a general warning for people to keep you, uh, you know, in the well, and, and I, it's a government thing. Uh, get, if you want more information, you go to this government website, getprepared.gc.ca. The only reason I mention this is, you know, yes, sometimes the weather network gets carried away with the red ribbon of doom. But this is the first time that I can recall in recent memory. But I, again... I'm going to be 63 in January. Uh, this is the first time I can recall a an alert that they're saying you should have an emergency kit. Well, they, they, they a lot of these emergency they they at the bottom of the emergency thing. This is not the Weather Network. This is issued by Environment Canada, and that uh, that particular statement at the yes. bottom is probably like a blanket. You know, like throw it at the end of any kind of. Uh, they, they do a bunch of that. Uh, usually, they have a, a, some sort of statement at the end of you know. Well, I don't. I don't recall. I don't recall that. Dan, your time in Peterborough, what was, uh, I don't want to say your favorite, what was uh, <laughs> the biggest weather event that you had to deal with, where you came to work all excited? Uh, you know, some sort of, I can't remember, one of the snowstorms. Were you ever there for a Peterborough flood? A Peterborough Not what? A flood, no. Oh, no. a flood. Oh, there was a big flood in Peterborough. There was They're a still couple. trying to figure uh, mm-hmm. the, the redover, redoing the uh, the <laughs> floodwater plan. Storm sewers just aren't where they should be in Peterborough, Howard. Yeah, they're, they were upgrading those. They've been doing it for years. Um, all right, let's move on. I got a, a Canada geese story for Canada goose story for Fred, mm-hmm. and um, just a couple of uh, notes of uh, the passing of uh, uh, somebody's career and the passing of a. Uh, fan of our show what yeah i I think we mentioned i I think i might have mentioned it to you but i'll get to him in a second but uh long time and this came the only reason i'm going to mention this is because five or six different listeners have sent us notes emails saying hey you should have tarzan dan on the show because he's gotten fired in calgary Tarzan Dan, a few people might remember, he was longtime, you know, uh, rock and jock and disc jockey. Did a show on uh, 
YTV, I think. See, we don't really remember. You know, but a nice guy, Tarzan Dan Freeman, I think is his full name. Went to Calgary years ago. And going to be honest, I I couldn't have told you uh, where he worked. But uh, a lot of listeners remember him. And uh, here is his last break on Q107. And by the way, the other connection to Dan and I is 107, Dan, was where you and I worked in the early 80s. Kick 107. Kick 107. Kick 107. We signed it on. That was a brand new radio station in Calgary in 1982. Wow, that's exciting. Wow. And uh, Dan and I and uh, a few people that uh, some good radio broadcasters, our friend Sammy James and others, signed the radio station on. I was the morning man. Dan was the production manager. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's also where Dan's name, that was the origin of Dan's name. That radio station helped create the Dan Duran character that we know and love to this morning. Mm-hmm. And you uh, mentioned, oh, I'm going. Go, no, you go, you go. No, you mentioned the name Sammy James too, because and I don't even know what year it was. I was unemployed doing my blog, and the the word podcast came out of Dan Duran's mouth. The first time I had ever heard it, he said the word podcast, and it was through Sammy James, who was in California at the time, talking about this new um, form of media that was going to be a a hit down the road remember that dan yeah no i I, yeah Mm -hmm. and uh isn't it funny all these years later it's just part of the vernacular now and uh it's it's so i met sammy before dan sammy was a a, the son of a very famous radio broadcaster in canada Mm -hmm. keith james and sammy came to moose jaw to work at this radio station and and i was uh, hanging around i eventually got hired and uh, Sam came from the States, like his whole family. Dan came to Moose Jaw. We all became friends. And then Sammy moved back down to the States. Anyway, Sammy was the one that got me, that convinced me to come from Vancouver, where I was doing mornings, oh, to go to Calgary to do mornings, which a lot of people thought was a weird move. But I knew that if I stayed in Vancouver, I was always going to be the guy that did the all-night show and then became the morning guy. I was never going to be a ch- And it was a lot of pressure on a... I was 21 at the time. So going to Calgary was a calculated move for me because I wanted to go to a smaller market so I could figure out how to fucking do this, which I'm still working on. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a great move. Anyway, that station became, I think, a, was it a chorus station, Freddie? Or a- yes, it is. Yeah, Q- Q107 was a chorus station. And a little more radio insider stuff, but Terry DeMonte famously left Montreal to go to this radio station in right. Calgary, which was also a weird move, but I think he got some pretty significant money and eventually went back to Montreal and finished his career. Anyway, here's uh, Tarzan Dan, a few people in Toronto that remember, and this is his last break in Calgary. Tarzan Dan on your radio. One of my favorite things to say every day. Well, here we come to the final song. I can't believe we're here. This is it for Tarzan Dan on Q107. I have had an amazing six and a half years. I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to spend some time with me. Maybe share a laugh. Maybe go, what the hell was that parody song? All the good stuff and all the bad stuff that we've gone through together. Thank you for taking the time to make me a small part of your day. Because if I actually came into your house and changed the radio stations, I'd probably get arrested. (laughs) So thanks for choosing me. 
Well, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. I know how to end this. So up to this point, it's, you know, pretty heartfelt. You know, I was listening to it this morning. I'm like, oh, you know, it's just a, I, I thought it was cool that the radio station gave him a chance to say goodbye. Well, that's what I was going to say. He was fired, yet he was allowed to say goodbye. That's that unique. It, it is unique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, you know, up to this point, it's, you know. And then he uh, sort of like uh, switches gears here at the end of his uh, last break. Here's my last parody song at Q107. Pretty piano. Here we go. Joy to the world. I'm unemployed. I'm gonna collect the eye. I'll sit upon my bonds. It won't be much fun. I'll probably be a slob because I won't have a job. And one of these days, I hope that I'll be back on the radio. See ya! We were on a break! Only on Q107. So there you go. That's a uh, <clears throat> longtime broadcaster, Tarzan Dan. And a really nice guy, by the way. Any time we've ever had anything to do with him, I at least can tell you he's a very... You know, very nice person, Tarzan Dan. But that yeah, was you part. just wonder, although six and a half years, do you call that heritage? Like, you know what I mean? It's not like six and a half years in Calgary in that seat is. Yeah. It's just sort of in the middle somewhere. You just wonder why they would sacrifice that. Or don't they still need a show in Toronto at uh, Q107? Like, who's doing that right now? What, you the morning that- show? Yeah, you think that's a bit of a, a profile job, and he's a bit profile with Toronto history, but who knows what goes on behind the scenes. Anyhow, that's uh, the passing of his career. For a long time when we were on the edge, there was a guy that used to call us, and uh, if, you're in, if you're a Hundy P of the, the old show, you'd know this reference, and every time he would call... He'd say it was Mark, and we all, everyone in the studio would go, Mark, Mark, Mark. Right. And it was just became this bit, and he would call and, you know, do some funny stuff. Pretty bright guy. Yeah. And then when we started the podcast, he reached out to me a few times. I know he was having some uh, difficulty, you know, in his personal life, had a divorce. I remember some correspondence with me about drinking, not that I didn't. I'm not saying he had a problem. I just know he was asking me about cutting back and et cetera. And then I got a note from somebody. I just want to make sure I got the right person here from uh, someone who said, uh, he said, uh, Mr. Glassman, not sure you may have heard, but Mr. Mark McDonald passed away a couple months ago. And I do kind of remember hearing about it. He said, uh, this guy says, he's in, he introduced you and I at a podcast at the Horseshoe years ago. Mark came in. Mark flew in from PEI for our 25th anniversary podcast wow. right. when we were at Sirius. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyway, the poor guy passed away. And I sent him a note last night saying, you know, what was the cause? Thinking it was something. And it just turned out that Leave he... clear there. You, you didn't send Mark a note. You sent, yeah. My, I, my, what I did is I had a seance and okay. um, I, I sent him a note. <laughs> I did. Uh, so I sent this Alan uh, note saying, um, you know, what was the cause of death? And he said Mark had a heart issue about a year ago. He's only fifty-five when he died. Oh, jeez. And he says basically, it looks like it returned. 
So he had a couple of kids and an ex-wife. And so uh, in the spirit of uh, him and the way he used to call us, I would like to say, Mark, Mark, Mark has died, died, died. And he would and he would enjoy that. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that something? But you remember, yeah, I remember him coming yeah. into the edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, you know, at the time, you know, I was uh, I'm only six years, seven years older than him. But at the time, you know, we were doing the morning show. You know, if I was 33, a 25 year old seems a lot younger. Right. Right. And now a 55 year old doesn't seem that seems like it's well, it seems pretty young to pass away for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, I just can't imagine that. 55, that's, man, that's 10 years ago, 11 years ago for me, 7, 8 for you. It's, can you imagine? When you sit here, you still think I got so much life to live and to think, anyway, I, I, I can't even put that into words, how tragic that is. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, find out at 54, your heart conditions come back. Yeah. And at 55, you're dead. Dan, what are your thoughts? I was just uh, thinking about other other uh, people who have died recently, and more more so in the music world. <clears throat> um, they, you know, that guy the uh, from the specials. Remember the specials? Yes. Can that yeah. message to you, Rudy? I love that, that song. Is a love great the specials? Song. Yes, Dan. Yeah. So Terry Hall, he's uh, what, the singer for the for the uh, for the band. He died at sixty three. Another young man. Yeah, Taylor Hawkins, the uh, drummer for uh, the Foo Fighters, died. He was only fifty-ish, uh, I think. Yeah, uh, the specials. Their my favorite song was Nelson Mandela. Free Nelson Mandela. I thought that was uh, Peter song. Gabriel. No. Specials. Mm, I'd look that up. And then Ghost Town as well. The big song by the specials. Stop your messing around. Better think of your future. Time is written right out. Yeah, you're right. I, I always, you know, it's funny. I always thought that that was. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't pursue that because I knew I was right. That's okay. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I, I really, I, yeah, this is, uh, I knew this was them. But, I, but there's a, I always thought for some reason Peter Gabriel had part of this. But Peter Gabriel also has a Nelson Mandela song, doesn't he? Offhand, I don't know. Hmm. Well, there you have it. The uh, forecast, some uh, death notices, and uh, we're off and running. There's one more death notice. Uh-oh. Just received. Just right. received this. And you know, this is bittersweet. She was 90 years old. Fred Ball just let me know that at 90, my mom, Elda, died early this morning. Aww. Our condolences to Freddie Ball. Aw, Freddie. You know, he was a good son. His mom, I'm I sure he was. Him. He lived, his mom lived in Halliburton and he was up there every week and it's sort of the responsibility of her fell on him and he was a good boy to his mommy. And 90 years old is a good run, Freddie B. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all our best to the Ball family, Sweet Balls, Nancy and Frederick and the boys. And uh, yeah, we send our condolences. 
in lieu of sending, you know, we're not, we're too cheap to send flowers, aren't we? Um, <laughs> I'll decide after I look at uh, our <laughs> okay. This morning, just so you know, Fred, I'm voting. We send you flowers, so if you don't get them, you know that Fred's the one who said, "Ah, fuck it." <laughs> Football. The bean counter said no, no, no. Yeah, no, no. Fred's like, I'll send you my condolences, but that's about it. Because <laughs> those are free. Uh, Dan Duran's news is coming up later. We got a lot of stuff to uh, get to this morning. And um, our guest, Lumby, will be checking in. Had an interesting conversation with Jeff on the weekend about a variety of things. We were talking about the idea that not everyone receives comedy and music. We've had this conversation before, you and I. Not everyone receives comedy and music in the same way. I had talked about not really digging the latest Sebastian Maniscalco uh, special, and, and Jeff loved it. So I said, hey, we'll talk about that, and among other things, of course, maybe we can have a conversation with Jeff about what happened yesterday in America. And uh, Boone made an interesting point that uh, Jeff lives in France. What's it like living in France where the World Cup was on? I wonder if Lumbee... I wonder if it affected him at all. But first, what about these fine folks? Uh, the Chambers Plan, the uh, Chambers of uh, Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Small business meaning like one to a hundred employees, something of that nature. Uh, if that's your uh, business, uh, the size of your business, you're considering a benefits package, go to chamberplan.ca today. And get all the information you need. I mean, top to bottom, it's all there. You can actually click on a badge and get a free quote. Takes almost no time. You'll be pleasantly surprised that, yes, your small business can afford this. And be rest assured that the premiums will be held under control going forward. They do a good job with this because they know small business can't absorb big hits along the way. 30,000 Canadian businesses part of this. They've been around for 40 years, so... That's an indication of how stable this is. It's the smart thing to do for your employees, the chamberplan.ca. Yeah, all of that is true. True, man, true. All of that is very true, man, true. Let me tell you a little bit about. Uh, hang on a second here. Oh, yeah, there we go. Electric Vehicle Network is dedicated to helping everyday Canadians make the switch to EVs, and they're excited to hear more about what they're doing to make that happen. Electric Vehicle Network, dedicated to providing cost-effective options for Canadians to buy or rent high-quality pre-owned EVs and plug-in hybrids. Their team has helped over 100 first-time EV buyers, and they're ready to assist you. Founded in 2018, they've been working hard to make electric vehicles accessible to all, and they believe that together they can make a drastic reduction to Canada's emissions. Visit their website. Or give them a call to learn more and start your journey to journey to a greener future. EVNet.ca. That's EVNet.ca. And Daryl will be with us. Daryl Croft from EVNet will be with us. And uh, I think, uh, when is he here? I think uh, first of the year. Coming back. Oh, no, what am I saying? Really? He's on. No, hey, that's right. He's on the show today. Mm-hmm. 
See, I should have looked at that before I started doing that, but that's okay. That's right. He'll be here today and next year as well. Yes, my friend. Let me just... uh... Hey, by the way, over the next 24 hours, the uh, the days start getting longer, eh? Woohoo! Yeah, baby, come on. Yeah, okay. So you're running around the Patterson estate, running after dolls, saying, come on, Willy Wonka, and baby, come on. I don't know how you don't get laid every day with that. <laughs> Just how do you, how does That's she resist? That's <laughs> right. How is it that she can resist? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, before the show's over, there's an interesting article, I thought, about the highest paid athletes in 2022. A couple interesting categories. There's football and, uh, of course, basketball being the highest paid. And it's interesting, too, I think, in light of uh, the World Cup, just where soccer players or football players, as they call them in uh, Europe, where they stand. It's pretty, pretty interesting. And uh, let me see. Is there anything else we need to do before we get uh, Lumbee on here? Yeah, aren't soccer players, they can be structured differently, right, than North American athletes? Like, you can't pay them through the back door, like hockey, football, baseball players in in North America. But What do you mean, like, get around the cap or something like that? Or Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think there's really any cap in international football, is there? I, I, I uh, Yeah, like, you know what would be surprising if I knew that? Yeah. And when we talk about that, I want to make a, a couple of points on the NHL and their salary cap and, you know, their quest to have this, you know, you know, they're one of the big four, but they're a distant fourth. And I think a lot of it has to do with that. Their pay structure, I think, is somewhat Mickey Mouse right now. Well, that is really interesting because I was going through this entire list. There's a hundred. These are the top hundred paid athletes. And uh, it's pretty cool because it's all basically by country. And then, you know, it says its name, where they stand. And yep. then they have a a, a a ball next to them. So it's a basketball or a baseball, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and, and until you mention it, there's not a hockey player on it. No, there's not a hockey player making 15 million dollars a year. And it just seems odd that. You know, you're one of the big, the four major sports, but I say a distant fourth. And, you know, their salary cap is like 81 million and it's going to go up to 84. And it's like, well, that's, that's peanuts. That's it's cute. Small, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. just cute. And it's, it's not fair to the big markets in the NHL that they, it's that restrictive. It just isn't. Yeah, really. And I know sitting, just sitting here in Toronto, people, oh, yeah, Leaf fan, they have all the money. Well, you know what? That's pro sports nowadays. Yeah, I was very interesting as I've just skimmed it yeah. again. And LeBron James makes more money than an NHL team's salary cap. Does he really? Yeah. yeah. His okay. endorsements pay him ninety million. He's the highest paid. I don't want to give the rest away. He's the highest paid. His salary's thirty six million. Right. And his total is hundred and twenty six million. The two highest paid the only Canadians on this list, mm-hmm. which we will get to at some point. Meanwhile, we're doing it now. The two highest paid Canadian athletes, according to this list, are both basketball players. There's Jamal Murray, 
who plays for the Denver Nuggets, is in at nine. He's number 96 on the list. So, you know, think about that. You don't get to a Canadian on this list until 96. His salary is 26 million. His endorsement's about 3.5. It's 30 million total. And Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. At 100 on this list of the top 100 paid athletes. Plays for the Golden State Warriors. His salary is 28 million. And his endorsement's 1.2 to a total of $29.6 million. Wiggins would only have that in endorsements? I'm surprised. Hmm. What can I tell you, man? No, I'm just surprised because... Uh, At least last year. He wasn't even ranked last year. Neither was Jamal Murray. They uh, Because it shows you what their 2021 ranking was. So this has been fairly recent. But you take the best... Baseball player or the highest, I think Aaron Judge now $40 million a year, whoever the highest basketball player is, you may have mentioned there. Um, football, like Tom Brady's around, what is it, $40 million a year? The best hockey player in the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, if Connor McDavid makes thirteen five or something with no hope under the current salary structure of even being beyond fifteen. When he resigns, it's like, you know, you might want to. And I know that's complex. I mean, ticket prices would go up. This would go up. That would go up. It's it just seems at a kilter. It's just they're so far behind that way. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that, you know, I'm looking here for baseball and, and we'll get to Brady. I mean, Brady isn't the highest paid quarterback anymore. Yeah. Who would that be? Aaron Rodgers? I'll tell you later, man. All right. Okay. Maybe hey, look who it is. Maybe our boy Lumby will want to weigh in on this. But it's interesting too mm-hmm. that you know this is you, you say there's the big four in sports, but they're not even close. There's not a hockey no. player on this. Um, and as you say, it has to do with ticket prices, and it really, I'll tell you, it doesn't. It has less to do with ticket prices, would be my guess. And I wonder if Jeff would agree. It would be less about ticket prices in the NHL than about the TV deal, because. What do you think yeah. about that? Hello. I'll introduce you after, but... Uh... Uh, what do I think? Well, I mean, it's... Uh, fans continue to pay the prices. Uh, you know, you, <laughs> you go to a Leaf game and, uh, you know, you have to sell your kids. You know, it's it's like... And I, I think, yeah, the TV deals are making their money. So, I I don't know. If, if the... People aren't going to sign these contracts if they can't afford it or if they're not making money themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, no, but that's a good point, Len, because in the NHL, they're, they, they need to jack those prices. In fact, the NHL, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but NHL ticket prices would certainly be among the top four. I mean, probably more than baseball. Way more than baseball. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 they have 81 home games. The it's tough to say that in hockey anyway, because the prices in Toronto blow the doors off the prices in Winnipeg or Calgary, and I understand that. It's frustrating for a Leaf fan, you know, to pay all that money, yet you have this restrictive salary cap, which prevents the team from signing more or better players or whatever, and I know people are going to say it didn't matter because when there was no salary cap, they still screwed it up anyway, but I'm just talking on principle. Plus, the problem with the NHL, it's still too regional, it's not a national thing in the United States. It's just regional. You know? no, and and, and yeah. you know what? You make a great point, Fred, because baseball is a little unfair. You know, like the, the Yankees every year, they're just piling on to that 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but baseball, like, like those teams in baseball, because of their television deal, and same with uh, football, mm-hmm. they're already, they've made money before they've played one game. Uh, but without further ado and delay, let's uh, welcome one of our favorite contributors. And the bestie. Had a great talk with my boy on the weekend. Covered everything. It was like a 90-minute summit. It was fantastic. Uh, the host <laughs> was... You know, at one point, I'm like, we're going to be talking all day. This is the uh, host of Jeff and Julie moved to France in a global pandemic. And it all just continues. And uh, I, I can't wait to find out how excited uh, Lumby was about France uh, via Argentina. Uh, here's Jeff Lumby, everybody. Little uh, Todd Rundgren saying hi to Jeff. Yeah, no, it, uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for the lovely introduction. Hey, you know what? I, I'm not a soccer guy, as you know. Uh, and I, uh, but we watched it. You know, we watched it uh, just for the, the pure hype, I guess. And, and, and it ended up being, I guess, uh, I'm told, uh, one of the greatest World Cup finals ever. Uh, despite, you know, again, as I posted on Facebook, about 45 incidents of guys who look like they were shot with an elephant gun. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, when I when I see these guys fall to the ground like they've been stampeded by <laughs> Buffalo and on something that happens routinely, not only in hockey where everyone's got, you know, pads, but you take a look at rugby. I think rugby is a great comparison to soccer rugby they're not wearing a ton of gear okay and they are smashing the crap out of each other and these guys are falling down as if a you know like a feather touches them and they're on the ground writhing in pain it's like if i saw somebody on the street writhing in that kind of pain i would call 911 you would call a medic Yes, something. Um, so that was that was sorry, that was really distracting because it took away from what was, you know, it's a skilled game. It requires a shit ton of endurance and, and the whole thing. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not lost. The, the skill on the game is not lost on me, especially when you see somebody like Messi uh, play with that ball in the midst of four different de- defenders. I get it. But. Man, that ruins the game for me. I, I was going to say to Fred the other day, like, what, again, that's part of the culture of soccer that we can't relate to. I was watching the Bills on Saturday night, and it occurred to me, those guys on the line are pounding each other every play for the entire game. And and they know. And in fact, there was an incident in the NFL recently, wasn't there, Freddie? That some team they sort of faked an, one of the they t- instead of taking a timeout, they faked an injury, and they got a fine. Uh, yes. Uh, NFL levy to fine of five hundred fifty thousand dollars to the New Orleans Saints following wow. defensive yeah. and Cam Jordan's alleged fake injury, and I was going to bring that up as well, Howard. And the thing, I think it is time. But again, you know, we're looking at this from a North American yes. perspective, and yeah. that, that's the problem. But still, and that was my point the other day. Yeah, what they should do something about it. Well, why don't they? Why don't they yellow card for embellishment? Like that's one of the things that I. I, I was mentioning on my my little post about it because I, I I did enjoy the game, but man, that was such a distraction. Why can't they? Okay, start it off with a new rule, and every time somebody falls down, just start it this way. It's a review, and if it's determined on the if it's determined on the review, 
that the guy either faked was it was fouled. Or, yeah, or okay. Like there were times in the in the in the World Cup final where there was not one thing touched. I, I saw the replays, and oh, oh my yeah. god! You know, but, but I, I, I have a technical question. I asked this to Freddie the other day because neither of us know the answer. Because you know, I I love the sport. I my both of my kids played it. I love watching, and you know, I didn't. You know, I wouldn't watch other than a World Cup game. But is there some reason that that is there is there time? Are they doing it for like, is there time added? Like, that's a technical question. Do you know the answer? Time to that? added. Time so, added, so yeah. So what's the point of that, Jeff? Well, I, I think it's honestly, it boils down to uh, they're trying to draw a red, uh, uh, a yellow card or uh, if it's flagrant, a red card. Uh, uh, certainly possession of the ball is one. Okay. And, uh, I, I mean, so there's an advantage to be gained by doing it somehow within the culture of the sport. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you start uh, yellow carding for embellishment, the, you get rid of this in, in uh, to five games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, you know, it's just out of control now. They all do it. So they all do it. However, I watched a U.S. game. I didn't see any of the U.S. players do that. And Team Canada didn't do it either. And I think it's part of the North American mentality. And in the women's women's game, very seldom do you see it. Yeah, so... They, what they have to do, if they, they have to have a worldwide forum and say, okay, this has got to end. I say, if you want to grow the game, does the game even need well. to grow? But it's just a blemish on the game. It, it is because people that might be attracted to it are turned off by it. I, Jeff, I feel exactly the same way. The uh, top of, of the top five most highly paid athletes, three of them. Are soccer players. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is Messi. Number three is Ronaldo. And number four is Neymar. And Messi and Neymar both play for uh, Paris Saint Germain. Lionel Messi has paid $72 million in salary and $50 million in endorsement. Ronaldo, $60 million salary. Neymar, $65 million. I mean, one of the things I did want to ask, because I know Jeff's uh, proximity now to some of these beautiful but smaller little villages and towns around where you live was there any kind of because you go into town get some croissants and you you no buzz was there any was there a bit of a but no really zero buzz around here however uh not the same for you know marseille paris those those, those bigger centers it was pretty crazy you know with uh flags and that kind of thing around here though the big thing is uh the the rugby is really uh entrenched here so they've got a great uh you know sort of tier four tier three uh league around here and it draws quite a quite a bit of interest and the, the i've found the people where i'm you know when i go down and buy my roast chicken for instance and there's a lineup they're not talking about i mean they probably were talking about world cup this year but they're not talking about soccer as much as they're talking about rugby so if any of your neighbors or there wasn't like uh, they were in mourning on uh, Monday, all bummed out by. Uh, no, I think everyone mm-hmm. reckon, you know, and here's another thing. This would have made the game so much better. No shootout. Yeah, have I was going to say sudden that. death. Yeah, we said have that. Sudden death, prolonging pro- prolongation. Of yeah, this yeah. That, see, I, that's the first thing I said to Fred on Monday is like, what a shitty way for the biggest uh, football soccer event that the sport has to end that way is just so but again if you're you you know there are people who watch the sport are used to that we're just not yeah, used but, to but, it here but think how much more exciting it would have been 
when Messi got his goal in, in extra time, I think it was Messi who scored the goal in extra time, the first one. If that would have been the end. The game winner, that, sure. That would have been bananas. But no, we got to wait now. Oh, now they, <laughs> now the French guys tie it up. And now we're, we're, we're taking a team sport and making it one-on-one. And it's... Uh, no, I agree. And uh, again, that's the argument. Oh, you North Americans, what do you know? And this is our sport and this is the way it is. But all you can do is offer your opinion. And a lot of sports, a lot of games evolve. And, you know, I, you know, that, I just, they it would have been super exciting if it was sudden death. You know, they they uh, they did this years ago in golf. They changed some of the the playoff rules and the majors to make them more exciting. You know, like the U S open is an 18 hole playoff. Uh, instead of sudden death at the uh, British open, the open championship, instead of it being one hole, it's a four hole aggregate. I mean, things evolve and change. And, and if, again, you said, we've said this before about growing the sport, it, the sport's fine. But if you want to grow a North American sort of adjunct to yeah. it, you know, maybe you know, it doesn't at, happen a lot in MLS either. Right. The, but the again, be, and, because it's a North American version of that right. European worldwide sport. But but there does need to be because it was a shitty way for it, Dan. I don't care how you, again, maybe it's not. Maybe you do that in other uh, soccer championships. But the World Cup should end differently. When I said MLS, too, I meant um, the fake injuries. You don't right, see right. it as much as you do. In, in, what were we going to say there, Jeffrey? Well, and just to uh, to both of your points about things evolving and uh, when baseball introduced the wild card, I was, you know, because I'm a pure I used to be a purist with baseball and it just oh, I was just so upset about hard to believe you were upset. Really? What? (laughs) But but it was like because it was the purest thing. You play 162 games and you have to win your division to go to the play. That was it. And I got to tell you, I am completely on the other side of that argument. Now, the wild card has brought more interest into September because in in a lot of cases, it was over yeah. September 1st in baseball. But now you've got all this extra interest. It's way better now. So, uh, you know, I think to that point, I think soccer should be open to uh, evolving somewhat because I think I think on two counts, uh, we've just improved the game dramatically for everybody's eyes. I, well, you know, and further to the baseball point, look at the Yankees this year. You know, you can have a team 20 games above 500, and the, under the old system, they had a fantastic season and didn't make the postseason. Yeah. And they do a lot of market research. If you were going to cultivate a younger audience, it had to change. Yeah. Because young people weren't going to put up with that much longer. They lost interest halfway through the season. Lumby, if they did the shootout rules in golf and the U.S. Open would end after 72 holes, then they'd go to a (laughs) chip-off. Okay, uh, closest to... Longest drive. Um, longest drive. Uh, I want to talk about a couple other things because Jeff will make an appearance, one of our special guests, as we say so long to the year. And thank everyone that's been so good to us in terms of providing free content. Uh, I'll remind you that Jeff and Julie moved to France is getting close, I think, to uh, a one year milestone. And in January, uh, Jeff and Julie are going to do kind of a look back at year one. But I wanted to also just at the before we end this year, I'm not sure much time we'll have on Thursday, but to say, hey, listen, man, it's great for you guys and so happy for you to have stuck it out this long and and to continue to provide content. I send Jeff notes from time to time from our listeners that make his podcast part of their week, and I just think that's cool, man. Yeah, 
It's really great. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's given me a, a wonderful creative out, uh, outlet and, and Julie is just loving it. She, uh, has taken to it like, you know, uh, fish to water. So, uh, and she does a really good job. Yeah. And she's she very gets good. right into it now. She's, you know, <laughs> she's researching things and yeah, it's great. Like, and we don't want it to sound that way, but, and I think it comes off pretty conversationally, but, uh, no, uh, again, a, th- a huge thanks to you guys for providing the platform for us because it's uh, it's it's dead easy to do and and we really enjoy it and uh, I'm glad that some of I'm, I'm glad that we have a we have crossover absolutely we, we do you know, yep. which is cool. Do you feel at home yet there? Uh, I think I feel more at home than Julie does. Uh, mm-hmm. Julie's still, which is odd because she's the one that speaks French. Um, right. But my French is coming along. I'm able to do a, a lot more now. Um, and I think one of the reasons is that the, the, still the onus is on her to deal with all of the, uh, let's let's call it the French administration. So that's been a mm-hmm. little frustrating. We're slowly climbing out of that hole. But I, I you know, I, I, just, I love it here. I, I just can't even. I can't even describe how much I love it here. Just overall, I mean, and then you know what? There are going to be hoops that you jump through no matter where you live, right? Right. You know, I noticed you're wearing a jacket today, uh, which is unusual for you in that part of the world. Although you know, we're we, we're like when I talked to you on the weekend, it had just come off like three or four days of shitty freezing weather, but now we're going to get a storm on the weekend. Have you? I know when I was there, the weather was great. No, it was like 16 yesterday. So really, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's 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 just it's between 10 and 15 today. Uh, it's just kind of crappy out in, in terms of there's no sun. But uh, like the next two weeks, I looked at it and it's all above 15 degrees. So wow. I'll take I'll take that all day Slightly. long. Speaking of French red tape, if you die there, can you uh, can you bury yourself like or not yourself, but like in one of those uh, hillsides that you own, like. Are you allowed to do something like that? I, I don't think that's allowed. I'm not sure. I, <laughs> so, I try and, have I try you, and have, avoid that. <laughs> what, a, not, what a great question. Have you, have you picked on a yeah. place in that beautiful countryside yeah. where you'd like to be buried so I'm I can come visit you? Time, I'm having enough trouble <laughs> living, living here, let alone dying. Okay? Uh, anyway, oh, I just thought it would be very beautiful, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, fantastic. Um, one of the things that Jeff and I uh, were talking about on the weekend and uh, it was interesting because I had, uh, I think I was one I'm pretty sure that turned you on to Sebastian Maniscalco. Early on, I recommend, I, and I, you guys loved him and I loved him. And he's really funny. And I remember talking, taking my kids to the Budweiser stage here in Toronto. Like I left the house to go someplace to watch it. And he was amazing. And I just watched the, his latest special called... Um, you know the name of it? Is it me? Is it, is me? it me? Yeah. And Sebastian's yeah. whole vibe is like, aren't you embarrassed? Everything is very good at that kind of comedy. But uh, I just didn't receive it as well. I f- found it a little bit low energy, etc. I had a lot of things that I didn't want to sort of completely prejudice you against it. But then your response to it, and I, I, I should uh, I have the note somewhere. You loved it. And I, and I thought it was so interesting because you and I have a very similar sense of humor. But in this particular case, it just goes to show you that comedy like music, like a lot of things, depends on the receiver and the mood and, and all that. I, I think, OK, let me just run through what I think. So I agree. First of all, you're not wrong. The energy was lower and uh, the venue was Vegas. He was dressed up in a suit, not a casual sweater. So I think it was a little cooler, uh, a little less animated. But the guy's forty nine. 
He's now got kids. I think he's coming at comedy from a different perspective. And I like to see range. You know, um, l- let me give you a couple of mu- quick musical examples. You know, you, David Bowie in six, seven years goes from, you know, kicking off the punk uh, uh, you know, the, the, the punk sure. generation to let's dance, yep. you know, and, uh, you know, he was only in his mid thirties when let's dance came out in the early eighties. Well, both are fantastic. Same with like a band like the Doobie brothers. He had the first few years with Tommy Johnson, rock and roll. And China Grove yep. comes in and it's, it's like so blue eyed soul funk kind of thing. Both are great. I don't know. I, I, uh, I I I liked it. I agree with you. It didn't have the energy of of the Sebastian Maniscalco, but I just thought he brought a different, cool vibe to it. And the the the, the material is the end. That's the jury at the end of the day, right? The material. Yep. And I, I thought it was okay. You know like, what? I, I was I, talking. I about, I was talking about it with the ex-wife Randy last night because both of us were watching it, and she texted me and said, "Have you seen the new uh, Sebastian?" Because she loves him. I said something to her last night about your comments. I said, no, Jeff had some interesting points about it. And in the end, I think it was miked poorly, to be honest with you. Because sometimes, like, I I thought the hall was a bit airy, and and you couldn't hear the audience laughing. And you know, Freddie, sometimes, and you've made this point, sometimes the audience laughing cues you a little bit more like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, some of his stuff, it almost sounded like it landed flatly. And and I was a little bit surprised because I went back and watched, funny, I went back and watched his last special, which was just like so good. And I've seen it a couple of times. And I was like, wow, you know, the energy. Yes, he's a different guy and he's an older guy. But I think one of the mistakes he made was I think the venue was wrong. Well, the venue and, and everybody was all dressed up. It was it had a real Rat Pack feel to it. right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. even, even, even started in the intro with that Rat Pack feel. And so everything's going to be subdued a little bit, I yeah. think. But I, I, I think the, the material... Uh, some of the stuff about his wife and <laughs> I, right. I, I enjoyed it. I yeah. really did. Fred, you'd love the stuff when he talks about going to order, like having to order with his wife in a restaurant and how they're never ready that you, you brought this up the other day, Fred, about how you'll, you'll, you'll go somewhere with your wife or girlfriend and then you stop the car and we, we men just get out of the car and then you look back and they're still in the fucking car. What are you, what are you doing? And the best part of that bit was she's, she's got her shoes. She's not wearing her shoes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and no, you reminded me. I gotta love that part. Mm-hmm. No, I think we can all relate to that. Probably me more so, but I guess other guys would argue that. I, I you stand there and it's like, why? Well, what? What's taking so long? <laughs> no. And then you can't say anything because then you're wrong. Oh yeah, she's preparing for exit. No, yeah. I know. Listen, I went, out, I went out for dinner last night with my ex-wife and mm. my daughter. And the same thing, like Spencer mm. and I were like, look at the menu. And we're able to, we seem to be able to absorb the menu quicker. And so mm-hmm. we go like, we'll get this, we'll get that. And Randy's still like, what is this? Is this has sesames? Is that sesame in that? <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Yeah, you know what? Fascinating to Randy. I, I got this, picked this up from you, I guess, years ago. But I, I, we were going to some restaurant I'd never been to. So I looked at the menu in advance. So I had sort of an idea. I said to Randy, well, I said, we- I said, I said, Randy, I said, I think I know what I'm going to have. She goes, how do you know? I said, the internet told me. <laughs> I think she's still trying to figure out what to order. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the material was, some of that was pretty good. Yes, you're right. But I, uh, I think just a lot of it is funny how uh, I was thinking about after your note that like music, the mood you're in when you receive something is very important. Like if you're with other people, like I guarantee if I was watching that with you, I would probably have laughed more because of your enjoyment of it. 
And and the other thing is, you know, like there are bands who, uh, again, using the uh, comparison to music, there are bands who stay in their lane, like ACDC. Every single song, every single album, it's the Mm -hmm. same beat. For the most part, it doesn't Mm -hmm. change. A lot of country music is like that. Mm -hmm. I like it when when bands and musicians, they branch out, and, oh, wow, what, what, what are we getting from this band this time, you know? Like uh, yeah, rock music, or, uh, and they have name. the ball, and they have the balls to roll with it. Some, yeah, some doesn't, yeah. and that's uh, what you guys are, you know, talking about today. Although it's interesting, so if, you asked, if you asked him, he would probably say, "Yeah, this one didn't uh, roll like my other ones." But hey, I but, gave it a shot. But Freddie and I talked about this the other day. We we're talking about this with somebody I can't remember, but I brought it up with Jeff. But you know, like the end. M- one of my favorite, you know, four or five comics of all time is George Carlin. At the end, his stuff was. You know, not so quite as, as so. Yeah, but it, it was still smart. It just wasn't super funny anymore. So there's a guy that evolved into making social commentary the point of his comedy, but he had lost some of that. I should mm-hmm. also make this and funny. He, yeah, yeah. He obviously didn't care either. It was I'm saying this, and I don't know, give a shit. Yeah. Sure, what right. the reaction is, because at this point in my career, I'm just saying this stuff. Well, it went from comedy to a rant. That's yes. what it went from. A clever, and, a clever and, rant, a smart rant. And mm-hmm. by the way, some, he made a lot of great the, points. Yes, and to the point of uncomfortable yes. sometimes. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, and, uh, and again, not putting ours, you know, not putting us in the same category, but, you know, the three of us have evolved. I mean, our radio personas of, uh, you know, when I was working with Jeff in 1989, then I started working with Fred, like the, the radio personas. If you go back and listen to all three of us, at that also time, based on apathy, by the way, <laughs> that's right. But the three of us at that time of our lives sound a lot different than, you know, we're all we're nearly 200 years old altogether. So anyway, um, left, so we got to let you go. So back on Thursday, Jeff will be part of our special uh, year end show. And then I look forward to it. We always recommend uh, Jeff and Julie move to France in a global pandemic. And uh, coming up to episode 50. Oh, well, we're. Yeah, 49 is this week, and then 50, and then uh, we're, we're going to try and put together a year-end special in January, yeah. Okay, cool. can't wait, man. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, congratulations. Again, most Thanks, uh, most podcasts get to about four or five and go, this is hard. I don't want to do, <laughs> do this anymore. Do you, do you guys have any other ideas for me to make uh, some money? Uh, Jeff Lumby, always a pleasure, my right, friend. Pleasure. Lovely human being. In the meantime, uh, Dan's news is coming up in a second. But Fred, uh, let's not get uh, too far behind before we talk about these fine folks. Yeah, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled, un- unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Check your NFL schedule this weekend, everybody. Uh, there's three games Christmas Day, but the brunt of the games are on Saturday this week because it's Christmas Eve, and, well, figure it out. That's why they're doing it. Bodog. Do, 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 do. Just got a uh, text, uh, WhatsApp message from my buddy Tim Daniels. Living in Florence, Italy. It's fun. I talk to Lumby sometimes. He's in France, my buddy Tim from... Uh, Health Gage and, of course, Aaron Ventures to send me, you know. Uh, and I was actually just about to talk about unearthing value. That's what Aaron Ventures does. If you've been uh, looking into this uh, company, 
You know, I, I asked this question uh, the other day out loud, and Rudra Rishi Maharaj, who is my buddy, he answered it. I said, I think, I'm not sure what they do with boron, but I know it's important, and apparently it is important because it's used in the development of electric vehicles, of course, and batteries and such. Look into the world of Aaron Ventures. The company's objective is to increase its mineral reserves by developing current properties and through the acquisition of additional mining projects in the world of boron exploration. Go check it out at AaronVentures.com. Before we get to uh, Dan Duran's news, uh, back to this list. So I've given most of it away, though. Just a couple of interesting uh, points left. LeBron James, as I mentioned, number one highest paid athlete. $126.9 million was fifth ranked last year in 2021. I'm just looking here. I can't see who was number one, but uh, that that should be. Uh, oh, here it was. Conor McGregor was number one the previous year, but I guess he because he didn't. He must have had a big fight, and he's gone down to uh, 22nd place. So I've told okay, you again that includes endorsements. Yes, sir. So uh, LeBron's salary, as I mentioned, was uh, 36.9. His endorsements are 90 million. The first golfer on the list is Eldrick Tiger Woods. At $73.5 million, Tiger Woods started his uh, professional golf career in 1996 by signing with Nike. So 1996 to now, what is that, 26 years? I think that's correct. So think about this. He's been making over $100 million or around $100 million for 26 years he he might be the highest paid athlete of all time but i don't know that i'm just saying that because i love him the first uh, football player on the list uh, fred see if you can guess he is um from the los angeles rams really yeah quarterback what's his head he's got injured this year matthew stafford Oh my goodness! Seventy point three million, three million in endorsements for a total of seventy three million. But uh, the second football player on the list is none other than number seventeen for your Buffalo Bills. Sixty two point five million is his salary. Not bad, eh? Not bad for what is he twenty five yet? I yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you don't Get around know, there. I don't yeah. know if you know the answer or if it's fair to ask, but are quarterbacks salaries guaranteed? Because I know some of the NFL players don't they don't get guaranteed salaries like some other sports or do they now? Uh, yeah, I think it all depends, you know, how they work the contract. But, the, uh, uh, so he doesn't make much in endorsements because he's in a small market. He gets four million. So his total is sixty six point five. Brady. On the other hand, is next. He gets eighteen point four in salary, but he's getting forty million. In yeah, it's something the NFL has been very good at. Uh, you know, all the other three sports. It's you sign a guy to a five year contract, you got to pay him out regardless of what happens. Yeah, the NFL. Yeah, you can sign a big contract, get cut at training camp, and it's nothing. Which is probably the way it should be, but. Well, and then there's golf, which is you only get paid if you perform, which I think is 
one of the re- other many reasons it's my favorite sport. The first baseball player also plays for Los Angeles. He is Mr. Mike Trout. Yeah, the Angels, not the Dodgers. Yep, Los Angeles Angels. $35 million is his salary. And then it goes on from there. Patrick Mahomes is on the list. He's getting $28 million. You know that uh, that Mike Trout story very very interesting. Yes, sir. There's a guy uh, has a reputation of being the best baseball, best all round baseball player. Maybe Aaron Judge is going to edge him out that way. But over the past few years, has become a free agent a couple of times. Has had the opportunity to go and play for winners per se, and has chosen to stay in Los Angeles. Like they were horrible again this year, but he's made the decision. Yeah. I'm going to make big coin. I want as much as I can, but I prefer to make it where I'm comfortable, even though our chances of winning aren't very good. Good for him. You know, uh, a lot of players, you know, after a few years, they go for the glory, right? The money's looked after. Now let's go for the for the title. But uh, he's resisted that. I'm just trying to find some other sort of interesting characters on this. The highest paid rugby player is uh, Virat Kohli. And I've uh, followed Virat's career with interest. He plays for the Royal Challengers Bangalore. And he's making uh, 33.9. Dan, is he not your favorite uh, cricket player as well? Uh, absolutely. Okay. You know, when I, I, thought, uh, when I look at the list of cr- <laughs> cricket players, that's the one I pick. When Dan, sometimes after, just, after, just before lights out, Dan and I will uh, go on the internet and see what's uh, going on with, uh, with uh, him, with Virat. That's a sport that... Uh, some days I've sat and watched it for a while because it's so bizarre and I can't figure it out. I spend like an hour trying to figure it out. (laughs) That's funny. It takes more than a day to play some of these games, right? Like they quit and come back tomorrow. Can you imagine that? (laughs) I stayed in Stan for a walk in the summertime and there were some young kids, young, young, they were probably in their twenties. So about four or five of them in this uh, house over here on Islington, just a few blocks from here. And they were playing cricket in their yard and I stopped and watched for a bit and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Nope, no idea. (laughs) <laughs> I did. The uh, second highest player, highest paid golfer after uh, Tiger is Rory, who uh, made uh, $10.4 million playing the game and $28 million in endorsements for 38.4. Puts him at 39th on the list. But as I said, there isn't a hockey player on here, and the first Canadian is a basketball player. And I'm looking for some Blue Jays. I don't see any Blue Jays on this list. No. I think the highest paid Blue Jay makes just over 20. George Springer. Vladdy will change all that, but yeah, they're not in that league yet. Lots of soccer, some uh, different baseball players. Serena Williams is uh, coming in. I think Serena might be the first woman on this list and maybe the only one. Let me just check. But Serena Williams, her, uh, she made $270,000 on the court. She made $35 million in endorsements. But from what I can see, she is the only woman on this list. It's interesting. A female, uh, a female pro athletes at the top of their game, and that's a great example. The field isn't as wide. The competition for the endorsement dollar isn't the same. So these women at the top of their at the top of their sport, the endorsement money is significant. Yeah, significant. And that's to take nothing away from women. It's just the numbers aren't there, right? So if you want to, 
if you want something endorsed and you want a female athlete, the the ones that you go to, the field is just tiny compared to men. The uh, I was I would say without you know I'm I could look it up after, but probably one of the highest paid female golfers would have to be Nellie Corda, whose father was a pretty famous Peter Corda was like the 1998 Australian open tennis champion like he was a a world-class tennis player think about that he's a world-class tennis tennis player his wife is as well and both of his daughters become professional athletes and uh she would be she's the number two ranked female player in the world number one is i can't remember but i'm i'm absolutely certain it's i i don't know who it is it's definitely a korean though i mean that i think the korean women in the world of golf are also making a lot of money because in their country, Korea, they are revered. It's in fact, Korean women's golf is more, almost as popular, if not more popular than men, male golf in Korea for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, the only female on this list is, uh, Serena Williams. Anyways, kids, there you go. No Canadians, two Canadians and, uh, no NHLers, no NHLers, not one on this list no yeah i don't know what the nhl is going to do and i'm the disparity on again here in toronto and i'm not defending leaf ticket prices or whatever i the point is they are what they are ticket prices in toronto so toronto fans pay way more than anybody else for tickets yeah yet we can't spend any more than the smallest market you know and it's just sort of not fair to the fans, um, and I don't know what the I don't know what the solution is, but you're re, you're re, to protect those little markets like yeah. the Arizona Coyotes are paying playing in a five thousand seat arena, <laughs> so to protect them, yeah. Leaf fans have to put up with a eighty one million dollar salary cap, even though they're spending four or five hundred dollars per ticket it's it's weird to me well it is weird but it is for the fairness of it as you point out but also the thing is as i said at the beginning of this entire discussion which is you know they're not paying the same for nhl media rights as they are for the other three big sports so which is where the bulk of that money would come from so unless the nhl can up their tv deal which ain't gonna happen uh and in the meantime dan duran and i you know, we're listen, Virat Kohli was 59th last year and now he's only 61st. So we'll be pulling for Virat to, you know, up his uh, cricket game that he would make more money if the sport was over in the, you know, in, you know, in one fucking day. Now, here's to a fella named Anderan, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Oh. Ganderan, the anchorman, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Ganderan, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now live from the kitchen studios, right near the coffee maker, right across from the stove, and next to Mauschwitz, <laughs> Dan, Dan Duran and I are proud to uh, announce that we've caught a mouse and it's dead and has been disposed of and the trap line has been reset and we will be looking for more mouse, mouse death 
in the future. So, so all the pitter-patter of mice that you in the past have, have been hearing around here, do you think that's more than one mouse? Like, what's your... Uh, Hard what's to... Your... You know what? Hard to judge. That couldn't be the only mouse that snuck into my house. I mean, I don't know as much about mice hunting as you do, but very uh, great job. Well done. And now with the news and views, here's Don DeRue. Single-use plastics are on their way out. Canada's ban on the manufacture and import for sale of some plastic items, including grocery bags and straws, has taken effect. Effective today, companies can no longer produce or bring into Canada uh, plastic checkout bags, cutlery, stir sticks, straws, chopsticks, and takeout containers. And in a year, it'll also be illegal to sell them. And uh, that then in about six months, in, in June, uh, that will also be extended to plastic rings used for uh, six packs of canned drinks. And that will be prohibited a year after as well for sale. No, the, the interesting part about that story, there's no plans for single-use water bottles yet, though, which seem to be the biggest problem. By far, look, the biggest problem. If you look at your average off-ramp, yeah. like, it's b- bizarre. It seems flaccid to me. Like, wouldn't you think that would be the first thing they'd go after? Maybe that's a higher get. I don't know. Maybe there's a, a, a water bottle, uh, you know, lobby group out there that's... Uh, preventing that from happening Dan, but you're, i mean it's a it's a first steps maybe it maybe this is, they thought there was an easy easy get to get the forks yeah, out what about uh, dan what about uh, plastic cock rings where are they um <laughs> would they be disposed of <laughs> i'll tell you one thing we've like we had this story about fusion last week and you know how they've been working on this uh, fusion energy and mm-hmm. i was thinking well maybe you know they weren't working hard enough on figuring out why restaurants offer tomatoes but here's another thing i'd like to figure out which is I'm okay with non-plastic straws, but they're just so poorly made. You know, the the paper straws, I mean, they're getting better, but that's something that we need to get some people working on, Daniel. I like the, the, I've seen some of those straws that are black on the outside. The first time I saw one, I thought it was, oh, that's an interesting plastic straw. And I realized it was paper straw. Yes, have you seen those? Yes, I have. Yeah. All the bars I hang out with, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I can't remember the last time I used a straw. To be honest, I'm not a straw. Well, guy. in the old days straws. when you did all your blow, you were using a lot of straws then. <laughs> yeah. Freddie P yeah. be in between sports well, casts. I go, Fred, don't do so much blow. But it would be fountain drinks, right? And I, yeah, I just don't. No. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, for me, like, I don't, you said chopsticks, which are mostly the ones that I get with takeout are wooden. I wouldn't, yeah. But there's, I guess, plastic ones out there. They, I guess they threw them in there in the, uh, you know, if you're yeah, going, yeah, I, so. I, I've had the the plastic ones, but uh, plastic shopshare. Yeah, I just really. You know, it's like why like, you guys are fancy water bottles, and believe me, I use them. You know, I'm well. So do we here at the glass the, big, the glass Duran home? We use a lot of plastic bottles, and we probably shouldn't. Well, I've There's listen, ways around it, right? I've told you, you're welcome to uh, soda stream the shit out of yourself, but. Uh, you seem to enjoy the Perrier as well, which I love. This is why I use plastic Perrier bottles. If there was a place we could take those bottles back to get them refilled with the Golden Delicious, uh, I like the uh, <laughs> I like the uh, the, the grapefruit delicious. Perrier myself. Uh huh. I don't like the flavored. I do. I like grapefruit and lime. Okay, sue me. Okay, I'm just saying I don't, and because I like the ones at Costco in the 500 milliliter bottles. 
Yes, but I you know. can't get them flavored. Mm. Yeah, Dan, so, if you're listening, if you want, if there was a, like a can Perrier who set up a depot for us to go well, back. Then they, used to have, uh, they used to have those in glass, right? Yes, those were glass. I don't buy the glass ones, though. You can put them in the, why not just your recycle bin? That's fine. I do. Well, you do your part then. Well, you know, I tried. Listen, Dan. Reduce, I tried. Reuse, uh, Dan. I tried. Recycle, the, right? I tried my bestest. I got us. I got a couple years ago. I got the Soda Stream, and I got some flavored things, which are like ass and no good. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I agree with you there. They're just cloying, super sweet. I tried wonder, it. Uh, I wonder if Trudeau has a buddy in the water bottle business. Yeah, it does. Yeah, fucking Trudeau. Oh, boy, here we go. Trudeau and Biden get together and just fucking do blow and tag, fucking hang out with the water this, lobby. You know, a lot of this lobbyists and stuff. <laughs> sure. Do you see pictures of Biden lately? Like, honest to Christ, just retire. Like, on, I mean, I, I am, you know, like, seriously, the, he literally looks like a Disney animated old mm-hmm. man at a fucking he looks like a marionette somebody. yes that's what i'm saying he does that yes, thing yes yes where he's yes. just kind of like we're just doomed we're just doomed down okay do, well we're doomed do you have a second uh, story okay we're doomed <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. settled Young. dan have you never taken an improv class <laughs> okay no. we're doomed next scene uh and now with his second story news and views as we hunker down, getting ready for the Stormzilla or whatever, here's Dan Duran. Okay, you remember that old uh, Lisa LaFlem thing that was happening this summer? Oh, yeah, gray-haired and then, and then Lisa. They, and then they put a, uh, they had a third-party workplace review. Oh, did they? Yeah. Same one and, as Derringer? Uh, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, Michael Melling, the guy in charge of the, uh, the department uh, at the time that ousted Lisa LaFlemme, he's not coming back to news. He'll still be in the building. He's uh, moving over to, I don't know, some sort of strange department. Uh, shared services or something it's called. Anyway, um, they, uh, they made this move. They, uh, they said that, they, they get the, the I'm just looking for the, the quote here in the memo. So this uh, this Too lawyer bad you don't have a mouse. Yeah. A culture where people are sometimes afraid to raise concerns for fear of reprisal or inaction. These are the themes of the review a need for getting a greater civility and respect in the newsroom and a desire to improve the working conditions. They didn't say why she was let go. That's never really been been fully fleshed out. But because of her gray hair. That's right. And she might have gotten she might have gotten cranky from time to time, and the rules are so much different for men. Mm-hmm. See, here's another mistake that these big corporations make. How easily over the past few years, Bell has just flushed talent and sort of behind the scenes production people without thinking twice. This Michael Melling guy, they just reassign assign him. Yeah. You know, I mean, rather than saying, hey, this guy fucked up, get rid of him like we've done to all these other people. You know, that doesn't play well in the halls. Oh, he gets to keep his job. He gets reassigned. And as I say, you know, at the time that Lisa was let go and, and there were some stories, you know, maybe she was a little bit of a the she was whatever she was, was lots of men were like that. Meanwhile, you know, Lloyd Robertson was allowed to stay on the air, and his face was literally falling off his head. 
Like at times you would look at Lloyd and go, oh, someone needs to prop up his jowls. But he was allowed to stay. No, seriously. He was allowed to stay. on his back. Someone needed, they were literally, mm-hmm. his face was falling off his head and they allowed him to stay on. And poor Lisa Laflamme let her hair grow gray. And she's beautiful. And, and who cares if she got a little cranky with people from time to time? Well, we talked about that. You know, it's live television. You know, nerves get frayed, you know, anxiety is fever high and those things happen. And then once the show is done, then, you know, as long as it doesn't become like Derringer stuff. Yeah, Derringer was abusive and, you know, continues off there after the show or, you know, you're, you know, mentally abused over time. I don't think she was guilty of any of that. No, she was a line of scrimmage, uh, you know. A little frenetic, that's all. Uh, Just a quick update from uh, Dan Duran's hometown of Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, Brother Steve just sent me this Edmonton Steve. Dan, in in Edmonton this morning, it is minus 32, uh, but the good news is it feels like minus 43. (laughs) So shut that place down. Also, Edmonton Steve, Fred uh, heard us talking yesterday about the offer, and he says, I think I watched all 10 hours in two days, too. And by the way, your mum claimed that you couldn't afford to fix the dishwasher. Oh, did he send you that note? I saw it, yeah, somewhere, yeah. Yeah. That's oh, I think I re- it was on, uh, yeah, I saw it somewhere. Yeah. I think it was on Facebook. Mm. Yeah, that was why we never got the dishwasher fixed, and it didn't work my entire childhood except for a place to put cookies. So that's the update. Thank you, Edmonton Steve. Can you imagine getting up this morning and going, hey, it's a great day, it's minus 33. Wow. Minus 43, by the way, folks, is uh, the kind of cold where it's hard to start your car, your spit freezes, and you really can't be outside for many minutes. That's the kind of, Dan, those are the kind of days where we were told that exposed skin, remember those traffic reports or weather reports, I should say? Exposed skin will freeze today in three minutes. Yeah, I remember walking to school on those kinds of days. Yeah, for sure. Of course you did, uphill. Mm-hmm. With no shoes. <laughs> uphill both ways. No yeah. shoes. I, I put the garbage out this morning, and I was um, not surprised, but how mild it was. Yeah, it's going to be mild yeah. all week. It's going to be, f- like, our forecast today, be- forget the storm. When we were talking about this, the beginning of the uh, storm day, it's going to be five or six degrees. I mean, here in the uh, center of the universe, it is going to be... Um, as soon as this loads, I'm going to say it's probably a high of uh, high of zero. Right now it's zero, but the today's high is going to be above zero. Three degrees Thursday, four Friday, and then minus six and minus six. I opened the hood of my car the other day and realized that I actually have a blockader to plug my car in. I didn't. Do you really? Most of them are out here. Yeah, I do. Did you grow up ever plugging your car in, Patterson? Fred? No. Yeah, you know, that was one of my jobs as a kid. That's what you did. Dad would come home, and then before you, he'd say, "Hey, can you go plug my car?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I could do that." So there's yeah. a long extension cord leading from around the back, like the, everybody, uh, like everybody. <laughs> In my history, anytime a battery didn't start because of the cold, it was because it was a weak battery. You know what I mean? Like I do. Yeah, we're going to be talking about electric cars. An issue. I wonder. That's an interesting question. Uh, Daryl Croft's going to be with us from EVNet here in a second or two. I wonder what the. Uh, I wonder what it's like having a, an electric car in like extreme cold weather. Like I know one thing that doesn't work as well and makes sense is the battery 
doesn't charge as fully as the temperature drops. As fully or just takes longer? The first, the, the, the amount of time it takes, I don't think changes, but the amount of charge that it will hold does change. But I don't know the answer to that question. Well, that's a good question to ask then. That's going to be one of the first yeah. questions. And speaking of the Godfather, our uh, friend Darren uh, told us about a, uh, it's a rerunning of the 50th anniversary special of the Godfather. So I'm sorry, it's not that. It's a CNN series that ran in the summertime, but they, interviewed Ford Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola, on the 50th anniversary of The Godfather. It's Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Yes, I know that's Christmas, Dan, where you will all be gathered around the baby Jesus, giving him the bumps. But uh, you might... You <laughs> there's might, no bumps. There's no He's bumps on Christmas? There's no there's bumps. There's no yeah, bumps for Jesus, yeah. no. nor pin the tail on the donkey. None of that, yeah. No. Well, anyway, on, on Christmas morning, you might want to tape it. It's on CNN at 10 a.m. Thanks to Darren for that heads up. I'll watch that. Coppola, Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola was 31 years old when he directed The Godfather. 31. What were we doing at 31? We weren't directing the... Best movie in the history of cinema. No, we were producing the Humble and Fred show. <laughs> That's right. And yet we're still doing it. Fuck. The, uh, you know, another, I don't know if I said this on the show or off the show, another takeaway from watching all that um, Godfather stuff. And I used to get the same thing with the Sopranos. It made me want to eat pasta. Yeah, yeah, you said that big, too. Those guys made it look so good the way they ate it and then sipping the wine and then the big. And the, who's the guy that played? Oh, I don't even want to go there now. The, anyway, I can't even describe him. Why don't you ask the question so that we can maybe oh, narrow it down? Because I'm getting all the episodes. He's the guy where when a, a young Vito was first starting up in New York. Remember, and he killed the guy that owned the town. One of his buddies there. Are you talking about the Godfather now? Yeah. It doesn't matter. I shouldn't. Have, no, I. You know what? I should have researched and had his name and everything. I'm just wasting everyone's time. This is from the offer you're talking about. No, I'm talking from the actual movie. Oh, I see. From the second Godfather movie. Yes. You know, those the three of them. Right. And he kills the uh, guy in the uh, the white right. white suit. Yes. And one of the three guys was familiar. You right. Saw he was he, he ended up being he grew up to be uh, one of those guys stirring the pot. Yes. Yes. That's who he, Clemenza. Yes. That's who he was. What about him? Yeah. The way he ate pasta just made him. Yeah. The, the actor that played that. But this is how strange. My, I know the name. The yeah. guy's name is Bruno Kirby. Oh, okay. And Bruno, he's become a, he's actually passed away, I think, recently. But Bruno Kirby, oh, I really? believe, paid, played that character in Godfather 2, who grew up to right. be Clemenza. One of those two guys, those two guys were, they grew up with Vito Corleone to become his capo mm-hmm. D, whatever they were called, mm-hmm. uh, the generals in his uh, organization. Uh, Dan, will you be uh, able to stick around till after we have uh, Daryl Croft here? Maybe you'll go on. Uh, I don't know. Do some Dan Duran things. 
Yeah, I'm going to go do some Dandoran things. You know, oh, yeah. if I'm if I'm still active, I yeah. Well, come on back. How long this takes? Okay. Okay. Right. Well, it takes, it takes it'll take as long as it needs to. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Well, you, you look at that too. That Bruno Kirby. Yeah. Jur- and someone just uh, Mike Hannafin, a bunch of guys just kept confirmed it on Facebook. Yeah, it was Bruno Kirby. Um, his age. I mean, how good he was in number two. Yeah. And uh, he was only like 23, 24. <laughs> We're just kids. Speaking, yeah, speaking kids of... Uh, great young actors. Jeez. I'll tell you what, speaking of hard to believe how young they are, please welcome to our program the man behind EVNet. Hello, guys. How are hey, you this Darryl, morning? Hey, Daryl Croft. Darryl. I'm great, man. Listen... Let's get right to it, because we were just talking about electric vehicles. Actually, how it started was my brother just sent me the temperature in Calgary. I'm sorry, Edmonton. Temperature in Edmonton this morning is like, feels like minus 43. And and why they haven't shut that whole place down is beyond me. But that's a different conversation. And I said to Freddie a second ago, and Dan, I know that electric vehicles in colder weather don't take as much charge. And maybe you can tell me what that's all about. But do they, do they still, it's the same time to charge them. Am I right or wrong? It is. Uh, well, what happens if you go to a charging station, dead cold battery, it will take longer to charge. But that should never really happen. Because when, like with your Tesla, when you're going to a charging station, you would hit, I'm going to a charging station. So the battery warms up a little bit more to make it more able to take a charge more quickly that's only really when you're going to a public charging station but howard in your case you know you're you're in an area you're not below zero i don't think too much where you plug in no so you're good um now a lot of people don't have that privilege of you know have being inside to park most people even if they do have a garage it's full of junk so Mm -hmm. they're, they're parking their car outside anyway but what happens when you have a vehicle plugged in, you time when you're leaving, if you can, if you have a timer in your car, the the battery warms up, the cabin warms up. It is the best part of an electric vehicle the next three months. You'll never what, have What are you cold. saying, Daryl? The battery actually anticip- warms up in anticipation of, of getting a charge. It does. But do Absolutely. like if somebody is in Edmonton or somebody here and, you know, somebody gets an electric vehicle from you and then goes to Edmonton uh, for whatever yeah. reason, um, yeah. Would being in that extreme cold do something to an electric vehicle, whether it's a Kona, a Bolt, whatever the other models you use, not just Tesla's? Well, I'm going to compare it to like your gas or diesel vehicle as well. When you go out in the middle of winter to start it up, the, the, those gas cars and diesel cars use more gas and diesel as just as more electricity to do its job in, in cold temperature. So everyone makes a big deal about EVs using more energy to operate in cold temperature. Gas and diesel are the exact same way. You know, if you go in and start your diesel truck at minus 30 and think you're pulling out in a, a couple of minutes, it's not happening. Happening. So you got to think about it that way, that the the battery gets warm, able to deliver energy at, at the pace it wants. You can go out right away. You can. But why would you? <laughs> you know, we're lucky with electric. You can, Wherever it is, you could leave that charge for half an hour, warming up your cabin, your butt, your 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 steering wheel. There's no emissions. Unlike in Toronto, you know, we have a bylaw, right? You're not allowed to idle a vehicle more than a minute. Uh, that that's the law. Like there's a bylaw. What's a minute going to do at minus 20 in Toronto with a gas or diesel? You're going to freeze your butt off in there. Right. right. Whereas EVs, you should never, ever have to be cold if you just remote and get it warmed up before you go out. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the heaters, uh, odd, they heat up a lot quicker than, um, than regular cars. Yeah, They do. And the thing is, when the cabin warms up, Mm-hmm. And you do it for half an hour. All the ice melts, the snow melts on the car. You go out, if you do it right, there's very little clearing to do. Unlike, you know, yeah. a gas or diesel. By the time that thing warms up and melts your windshield, yeah. uh, it's a while. Uh, you're scraping and crap. I don't know if you, I, and well, and, and it's funny how, it's, for, it's weird how people talk to us, to me, Freddie, about electric vehicles. Almost they want to find out all the things that could be not good about them, which is weird because I'm, I'm trying to get people to understand there's so many advantages of it. But I mean, you know, I'm looking at the forecast this morning. Friday, Saturday is going to be a shit show around Toronto and it'll be my first time driving in this kind of in this kind of weather in an EV. Now, again, I'm not trying to poke holes in the concept, but I know one thing about the car I'm driving. It's the fastest car I've ever been in. You know, it's it's almost absurd how fast it goes from zero to 100 kilometers. The way it it's and I, again, you've told us why, but there's no there's no combustion. It just gives you it just gives you that push immediately. What will that be like or what has that been like for you driving around the snow? Well, there's a good advantage with electric cars of the battery weight keeps your car planted. It's a heavier vehicle. So and you got even distribution of weight. So it's much more stable than a traditional uh, vehicle going down the road. Now, every electric vehicle has different drive modes. So you have sport mode. Tesla defaults to that excessive speed mode but there's a chill mode in tesla which means it won't take off quite as fast if you don't want to i recommend in crappier uh temperatures dial it back whatever ev you're driving dial it back to comfort mode or echo mode just to avoid that instant push that that acceleration you, yeah. want, but, you know but you can't avoid it right uh, with just a touch of the button okay you know it's funny but you talk about a battery and when you first started talking to me Last year, I didn't, I, guess, I know it sounds dumb, but I, I didn't, I thought that the battery in an electric vehicle was like a battery, Fred, you know, like a fucking battery that you get a Canadian tire. But, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until quite recently, I was telling Daryl, because they, the, they sh- in the car, it showed an image of where the battery was once I plugged it in to start charging it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, the battery is the entire bottom of the car. <laughs> like, I, it really is. Like, it, it's this heavy weighted and it's in the perfect spot in terms of the gravity center of gravity of the vehicle so it makes i guess that makes a big difference but howard one thing i'm going to recommend this is your first winter driving an ev you're going to forget how you can never be cold even in a even in a covered area most garages aren't heated to comfortable temperatures. So right. if it's minus 20 over the holidays, honestly, five, 10 minutes before you're going out, hit the climate to where you want. You walk out, you're going to be warm when you get in the door. And I'm going to tell you, as a Christmas gift, there's a lot of people in, in the city or in Ontario that would love to never be cold when they get in their vehicle for the five months That's of winter pretty, that we get. Yeah, no kidding, man. Uh, evnet.ca is how you get a hold of Daryl the selection is not just Tesla's it's Nissan Leaf it's the Outlander it's the Kona the Bolt all of them have great advantages Uh, you know I was talking to uh, your very kind PR people and they gave me a whole bunch of stuff and one of the things I want to talk about just before you leave and for them we say Merry Christmas and all that you know one of the things evnet does is provide cost effective options 
for Canadians who are want to buy or rent high-quality pre-owned EVs. Maybe talk a little bit about that and how people can uh, call you. Just ask some questions if they need to. Sure. I mean, one of the big drawbacks sometimes up front with an EV is a brand new one. Two main drawbacks right now. It is pricier than a comparable gas. And number two, you're waiting. Like they are super popular. There's year, multi-year long waits for most EVs. So you have two choices. Either wait two years plus with no guarantee what the price will be when when it comes out or get in one today. Look at what you know. What We deal with reality. We deal with cars that are available today. Could be six months old, could be year, two, three, four years old. So when people come, they, we go through what the price bracket is and the options are. They know what they can get today and, and get out of gas into electric today and start enjoying that different lifestyle today versus who knows when down the road. That's just as simple as that. That is kind of the demarcation, isn't it? Yeah. That you can get in one immediately as opposed to waiting a couple of years before you start this experience. Right. Exactly. And it's, right, a lot of people would probably be surprised that you can get used ones. I mean, this early in their sort of development. Everybody's surprised. They don't even think it exists. But you know what? Life happens to everybody, right? Like nope. people move, they get move out of the province or split up or whatever, uh, or they're downsizing from a car, whatever, or they're upgrading to another EV. Like, like I said, like the smartphone. People aren't keeping their cars forever. They're switching into something maybe different or bigger. So they're always become available. We're in the market constantly picking up these vehicles, know what's out there and make them available. And uh, one thing, I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you when I was in the office, but our buddy Rudra Rishi Maharaj, who's a big EV guy, I was talking to him one day. This was uh, when I was test driving another Tesla. He said, where are you going? I saw I was heading up to Burlington. He said, you know, you could drive in the HOV lanes. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, huh? So that's another advantage that wherever you are in this city, if you want to zip around a little bit, even if even when you're on your own, green vehicles are allowed in those lanes. And I did not know that. EVNet.ca is how you do it. You can also rent electric.ca. The entire group over there are so good. And uh, thank you, Daryl. All the best to you. Listen. I have a uh, question for you after the show. Just give me, I'll call you around 9.30. Will you be around? I'll be around. Okay, because I know you're busy. It's, t- it's tough to get a hold of this guy. Uh, evnet.ca. Thank you, my friend. Take care. Thanks, guys. Have a great okay, holiday. Darryl. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to, it's really going to be busy. But uh, we are going to do our Thursday email feature. We're going to do that for the first uh, part of the show tomorrow, probably the first 20 minutes or so. We'll get to all the uh, correspondence that is piled up. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Dan Duran will remind you about that. Are you all uh, caught up? No, I'm not, actually. I am not. Well, then do it up, bro. I'll tell you about the retirement Sherpa. Oh, please. You reminded me, Howard. Thank you. Tim is a portfolio manager, Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Tim will be by tomorrow, his regular slot, from his southern home as he prepares for a Florida Christmas. He loves doing that. You can just tell. Yeah. Up at the Sherpa, I'm sure he'll look ahead to uh, 2023 and, uh, you know, give his his opinion on where we're heading, what to expect. Of course, it's all speculation. But listen, when he speaks, you listen. He's a retirement Sherpa, licensed on both sides of the border. 
RetirementSherpa.ca. And uh, just before we uh, say so long for this day and let Dan Duran do his magic, uh, don't forget about these fine folks. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Uh, Just one last uh, Bruno Kirby connection. Not only was his uh, role in The Godfather kind of cool, but uh, here's who else. You know, it's funny. I have such a weird memory. I don't know why I would remember this, but Bruno Kirby was Billy Crystal's best buddy in When Harry Met Sally. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, he's one of those guys you recognize. Yeah, character actor. Never been a real A guy, but, right? That's right. But one of those guys that was always good in whatever he was in. And, you know, you, know, you think, he, you know, he got a pretty good start being in, you know, the sequel to The Godfather, also one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, first movie, I think, or first sequel in history to do as well in terms of Oscars and all that stuff. Well, it's still the only sequel ever to win Best Picture, isn't it? That could be, that could be, that could be it. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dan Duran, thank you for your kind offerings today. We appreciate it. All right. That's been, uh, it's been a great, uh, great show again. As it always <laughs> so is. really. Yeah. I don't know how to rate these shows, you know. When they're over, you just, I'll tell you, we don't, uh, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about them too much. You're forward thinking. You're thinking oh, about right. uh, the next show. I've already got to some of that. You know what? I am proud of us today, though, Freddie. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it, and I'm about to hit the extra, so don't start bringing up, uh, you know. I just want to say, I was very proud of the fact that we got through an hour and 45 minutes of Humble and Fred without talking about the thing that went on yesterday that was historic, and that's all I have to say about that. Nice work. I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Air Adventures, EVNet.ca, and Kelsey's Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. We read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Liking and subscribing helps out this show, so please do a little liking and a little subscribing. Appreciate it. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, light the third candle on the menorah tonight, and there's only four days till Christmas. Don't let yourself get too stressy. Best of the season to you. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans and just clap your hands or just clap your hands. Where's that? Okay, you got to get some packing up.